Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Today's a dark day in America's history. Last night, there were FBI raids in Donald Trump's house. The current president, Joe Biden, he's authorized the raids of a predecessor. Uh, and all I can say, Terry, is that we've gone from a one of the, the greatest nation in the, in the world to a banana republic. We'll be talking more about that it'll, tomorrow, it'll, Jesse, Terry. tomorrow, it'll backfire. And I really believe what, what happened there. People are going to say, this is America. We can't be doing this. But, yeah, that's for tomorrow's show. Go ahead. Yeah. By the way, this is the month of August. We honor and devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This devotion has made a resurgence ever since the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima to Mm. Sister Lucy dos Santos uh, back in 1925 where she was visited in Tui, Spain. So these visions uh, that Our Lady has asked for us to practice the five first Saturdays to help us make amends for the offenses committed against her Immaculate Heart and by the blasphemies and ingratitude of men. Uh, Terry, a couple of news items. Good news. Nuns rescue girls from sex trafficking. This is good. Oh, yeah. For 27 years, the adore handmaids of the Blessed Sacrament and of Charity in Cucuta, Colombia, have helped some 4,000 women and adolescent girls escape human trafficking networks at the city's three border crossings to Venezuela. Uh, if uh, you can read more about this, uh, these incredible adore sisters and their courageous work by reading the article. Also, an athlete was sidelined over LGBT jersey. Yep, the National Women's Soccer League sidelined Christian athlete Jaylene Daniels of the Carolina Courage because she declined to wear a pride jersey. God love her. Daniels chose to miss a game on Friday rather than rather than to be forced to wear the LGBTQ uniform. Here's what this young lady said, quote, I remain committed to my faith and my desire for people to know that my love for them isn't based on their belief system or sexuality. I pray and firmly believe that my teammates know how much I cherish them, respect them, and love them. What a great comment. Here's another bit of good news. Bishop Barron. Yeah. He slams Biden's abortion stance. Yes, Bishop Robert Barron of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Minnesota, on Sunday published an essay denouncing President Joe Biden's stance on abortion as an affront to both right reason and the explicit teaching of his church. Biden claims that he objects to abortion, that he considers it morally wrong. Bishop Barron writes, nonetheless, the president presses forward advocating the most radical pro-abortion policy imaginable. Good for Bishop Barron. You know, Jesse, I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to come out more now that he's not an auxiliary bishop of like L.A. and he's his own bishop of his diocese. I pray that he will because he's got a lot of influence in the church. Sure does. Jesse, I got a... Here's one last one. Go ahead. I got a last one. Good. Um, the New York Times reported that large numbers of American parents have changed their political views mm-hmm. since officials began imposing COVID-19 mandates back in 2020. Yep. <clears throat> the Times discussed an intense political shift among parents that occurred during the pandemic, with many of them becoming single-issue voters. These parents have latched onto specific, specific issues like the vaccine sure. and mass mandates, yep. and they're willing to abandon their political party if they find a candidate who espouses their beliefs and gives them freedom. Terry. Well, that's, 
That's awesome. That's good news. Yeah. Hey, Jess, unfortunately, bad news. But again, pressure on the church. And our Greek Orthodox Archbishop, he broke from tradition. He baptized a celebrity oh, no. homosexual couple's baby that they did through in vitro fertilization here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the point of it is, is the pressure that's being put on Christianity itself to just cave in on to homosexuality is, is really strong. And I pray that we will continue to uh, hold the fort. But I want to just mention that uh, we're going to today give you something that uh, I call it the St. Ambrose pastoral approach to sinners Hmm. that need to be implemented today. That's going to be played on a homily that I have for our listeners. (coughs) Also, Cardinal Mueller, one of the great men of the cardinals of the church, uh, I like what he says. I think the Senadel way was doomed from the start. start. It's just that its initiators haven't realized it. He said... Uh, because uh, it's it, 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 they're trying to change everything. It's like uh, reforming with a crowbar. So we're going to get into that because we need bishops and cardinals like that. And then Jesse, fascinating debate: two priests debate on something that a you know first first grader could figure out. And that is, should we be giving holy communion to a pro-abortion politicians? And then I have a great quote from Fulton Sheen with Saint John Paul II coming up. And before we do all of that, Jess, let's get some soul food in our soul. Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18 and following. Mm-hmm. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child as this, in my name, receives me. By the way, that child, according to the early church fathers and historians that have tracked this uh, passage, his name was Ignatius. He was from the city of Antioch. Mm -hmm. He grew up and became the third Catholic bishop called St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was killed in 107 A.D., eaten by lions. He wrote seven pastoral letters. He's the first one that back in 107 AD wrote that the church that Jesus Christ established is the Catholic church. Yep. I continue next paragraph. Our Lord says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly father. What is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 in the hills and go in search of the, uh, of the stray? And if he finds it, amen. I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the 99 that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly father that one of these little ones be lost. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What a great gospel to read for our pro-life message that that you can see where uh, God is pro-life, obviously. And these little ones that are being murdered in the womb, there's going to be justice paid for that. Oh, man. Jesus is talking about little children back in, in, in verse 3. And to be a child in the New Testament, it means that we have to be totally dependent on God. That's what's required to enter the kingdom. That's what's required for salvation. It's childlike simplicity. That's what Jesus is demanding of all of us, the apostles and us as well. Uh, in fact, even those that lead the church... They're supposed to do it with a spirit of servanthood and humility, not like dictators or overlords. 
Also, in verse uh, another verse that jumps out there mm. within verse 10, yeah. where our Lord talks about the angels. The Bible portrays angel, God's angels as protectors and as guides and as helpers of God's people. And the elect angels right now, they already participate in glory as they behold the face of God in heaven. This verse is traditionally cited as biblical evidence for guardian angels. Oh, yeah. And several church fathers teach that God assigns everyone an angel to watch him over him throughout their life. You don't have to be Catholic. Everybody, according to the fathers of the church, has a guardian angel. The last thing I want to mention is in verse 12, mm -hmm. where our Lord talks about the uh, 100 sheep. Jesus Christ is often described in the Bible as our shepherd. He describes us as his sheep. And this parable that he talks about, he's going back to the messianic prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 34. And in that context, Ezekiel foretells that God himself one day would assume the role of a shepherd to seek out and rescue the lost sheep of his own fold. Well, that was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Hilary and St. Anselm, they comment on this passage, the 100 sheep. They say, the lost sheep represent mankind who went astray in sin. The 99 on the hills are the angels in heaven. In the incarnation, Christ temporarily descended from the hills to seek the lost souls of men. Through the redemption, Christ restores men to grace and raises them again to the company of the angels. Terry, take it away. Well said. Well, today's feast day, Jesse, is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, virgin and mother. Many of us know her as she was born as Edith Stein of Jewish parents, 1891 to 1942. She studied at the German University. She became a philosopher. And gosh, well, well I can't believe it. Yep, 1933, she joined the declared Disclared Carmelites? Discalced. Carmelites. She was arrested by the Nazis, <clears throat> along with other Catholics of Jewish ancestry, and uh, transported to the death camp at Auschwitz, where she died in a gas chamber like St. Maximilian Kolbe did. So St. Edith, uh, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, please pray for us. Just Amen. see if I can get a... Now, you know what? We'll get the Bishop Sheen quote when we come back from the other side of the break. Jess, I just want to uh, tell people that, uh, again, they're supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful, hopefully because we tell them the truth with charity and clarity, and we're not afraid to speak that truth when people say, hey, you can't say this. Well, we're going to play a clip when we come back to the from the break. People like Dr. Scott Hahn, Bishop Strickland, lots of people I sent this clip to, and they said, right on. This, this approach from St. Ambrose is awesome. This is the approach we need today in the church you know, with uh, with all the softness that's going on. So when you hear this clip, uh, the next segment from St. Ambrose, this is a a priest from the for the Christ the King Institute preaching. Uh, we're going to make sure that you get the whole 15, 16-minute homily later because it's outstanding and you won't want to miss that and much more on the Terry and Jesse show. You're listening, yes, to Terry and Jesse on Virgin most powerful radio. Stay with us. You're going to hear a homily that, uh, well, you better put your seatbelt on because this is a priest who's really preaching the truth of the faith in a way that people need to hear it today. You're going to go, wow, I want to hear the rest of it. Stay with us, family. You won't want to miss this. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess, I want to mention Fulton Sheen right now before we play this clip because Fulton Sheen ahead. You know how I like to say Bishop Sheen's with all these saints? You know, he's in heaven, please God. And well, St. John Paul II is with Bishop Sheen, and they're talking about the mess that's down here on planet Earth with all the dissent. And uh, Bishop, uh, excuse me, Bishop Sheen said, oh, I know it's pretty bad down there. And here's what he quoted St. John Paul II. He said it in 1987 here in Southern California. This is what Pope John Paul II said back in 87. Let's just take heed on it. He says, it is sometimes reported that a large number of Catholics today do not adhere to the teachings of the church on a number of questions. Like now, notably sexual and conjugal morality, divorce and remarriage. Boy, especially right now. Some are reported as not accepting the church's clear position, especially in high officials, on abortion. It has also been noted that there's a tendency on part of some Catholics to be selective in their adherence to the church's moral teachings. It is sometimes claimed that dissent from the magisterium is totally compatible with being a good Catholic. Joe Biden, did you hear this? And poses no obstacle to reception of the sacraments. This is a grave error that challenges the teaching office of the bishops, the United States, and elsewhere. Dissent from the church doctrine remains what it is, dissent. As such, it may not be proposed on equal footing with the church's authentic teaching. Great advice for the church in 2022, Jess. That's right. Terry, you got a... I got a clip, Jess. Let me set the stage, folks. I got got a uh, text uh, with some sermons from Christ the King Institute, and this one got my attention. It said, you know, a pastoral approach of... St. Ambrose to uh, sinners. And I thought, oh, i got to hear that. So that's 16 minutes. I cut it down to five. It's, it's kind of fast because he had a lot of pauses. But wait till you hear what happened back in 390 A.D. and see if this applies to 2022. Mr. Engineer, play that clip. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to play it yet. <laughs> okay. The emperor at that time was Theodosius. Theodosius was the one who some years before had made the Catholic, the Catholic religion the official religion of the empire. So here we are, we are talking about a Catholic emperor. When the news of the massacre came to the ears of St. Ambrose, who was the bishop of Milan, he was profoundly disturbed by the action of the emperor. St. Ambrose knew that the action of the emperor was a public sin, and it required a public penance. And he, as the bishop, had not only the right, but the duty to order the emperor to repent and to make reparation for the public scandal he had given. When Theodosius came to the cathedral of Milan in order to attend mass after the massacre, St. Ambrose placed himself at the door of the church and forbade the emperor to come in. He didn't allow Theodosius even to enter the holy place, but he ordered him publicly to repent and to do penance. Just imagine it. The bishop preventing the Roman emperor, the most powerful man on earth, to enter the church. One might say that the bishop lacked pastoral dimension because how could, be, how could he be so mean to the emperor to the point of forbidding him to enter the church? St. Ambrose, he knew very well that by calling out the sin of the emperor, he was risking his own peace. And in a certain way, the peace of the entire church in the empire. I'm sure that St. Ambrose had some fear of what Theodosius could do. But above the fear of men, the holy bishop had in his heart the fear of God. And this is what gave him courage 
to do what he had to do. He knew he was not made a bishop to have an easy and comfortable life. He knew he was not made a bishop to be ashamed of the truth, which equals to be ashamed of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. Saint Ambrose knew that the truth is not to be concealed, but to be proclaimed, even if the outcome is persecution. True charity, because he cared about the eternal salvation of the soul of the emperor, thanks to that reprimand, the emperor came to acknowledge his sin and humbly submitted himself to the penance imposed by the church. And after some months of public penance, Theodosius was once again admitted to Holy Communion. And a few years later, he died a holy death. Many politicians in this country who call themselves Catholics are guilty of a slaughter worse than the one of Thessalonica. Many people invested with authority have not only consented to the evil of abortion by not doing anything in order to eradicate this plague from society, but they have even promoted abortion. They try to justify abortion but the truth is that a procured abortion, a direct abortion, can never be justified. Either you are pro-abortion or you are Catholic. These two things cannot go together because one excludes the other. It is public and not simply a matter of conscience left to each one to decide. No. But the public sinner must be admonished by the church authorities. And if he chooses to persevere in his evil ways, he must be denied. Holy Communion. And this is a charitable because we care about the eternal salvation of the soul. But today we hear the opposite. How many false prophets, how many preachers of a false mercy which does not require repentance, a mercy that does not require conversion. They do exactly the opposite of what St. Ambrose did. Instead of admonishing the public sinner, as true shepherds of God, they remain silent and pretend nothing's wrong. False prophets of a false mercy. And let the so-called Catholic politicians who promote abortion have the humility to imitate that great emperor and acknowledge their sins and to do penance. And then, only then, once they have confessed their sins and made public penance for the scandal they have caused, they may be admitted to Holy Communion, not before, period. My brethren, let us not hate them. Let us remember that Christ our Lord shed his blood for each one of them as well. So let us pray for them, that they may convert and come to have eternal life. So let us pray for those who promote evil, that they may convert before it is too late. Wow. St. Ambrose, please pray for us. Jesse, I want to get your take, but I'm just going to say one thing before you even come on. I want this to go to, Saint, to Pope Francis so he could hear what the saints have done in positions like a responsibility because I think this would inspire, at least I hope, because you know what, Jesse, I'm just going to say it right now. Joe Biden is an example where Pope Francis needed to take the Ambrose approach if he really loves him. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I, I, I really believe that if he doesn't do what St. Ambrose does, later in that homily, Father said it, if Ambrose didn't confront the emperor, he, Ambrose wouldn't be St. Ambrose. He'd be eternally in hell along yeah. with the emperor. And so I think that, yeah. I know that, Jesse, this sounds very strong, what I'm saying, bro, but I'm backing it up by scripture. 
I'm backing it up by what the constant teachings of the church are with public sin. This is a complete parallel with Joe Biden and, like, say, like Pope Francis or, or, or Bishop Wilkinson. So. Because this is in 390 AD. Yep. You got a Roman emperor. His name's Theodosius. Yep. And uh, they, called, they used to call him Theodosius the Great. What he did, he ordered this wholesale massacre That's at right. Thessalonica yep. in, in revenge for the murder uh, of, of the, uh, by the mob of this unpopular governor that, he, that worked for him. That's right. And so Ambrose, St. Ambrose was a bishop. He refused to give him Holy Communion or even admit him into the church yep. until he did penance. Now think about what type of courage that took to stand up to the Roman emperor, the most powerful man in the world at the time. And guess what? Theodosius, the Roman emperor, he, he humbled himself. <laughs> yeah. He he came to the cathedral. He was about to enter. And St. Ambrose stood right in front of the door. Wow. And he's, and history says that he actually laid hands on him to prevent him from walking into the church. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, historians tell us that Saint the, I mean, uh, Emperor Theodosius remained for some time in his palace in deep grief. Yep. Uh, in preparation for, for for Christmas communion, he divested himself of his imperial robes. He prostrated himself on the pavement of the vestibule of the church. Oh, yep. He spread out his arms in the form of a cross. Yep. And like a humble penitent. He began praying Psalm 118, which is which is a psalm of penance. Uh, Saint, I mean, uh, Emperor Theodosius died in 395 A.D. Two late, two years later, Saint Ambrose died. Theodosius will probably be in heaven the way he ended his life. Oh, yeah. By all, but, but why? Because a courageous bishop stood up to him and said, "You cannot receive communion until you make public penance." And apparently, Terry, he made public penance for two years. You know, Jesse, I'm just going to go online and say what some of my friends have said. Father Don Calloway, when he heard it, he said that was an epic homily that needs to be heard worldwide. Yes. Dr. Scott Hahn said, man, does that need to be preached. And so I could go on with other people that I sent that to. But the point I'm saying is, please pass this on. We're going to get the whole 16-minute uh, uh, homily on the Bishop Strickland Hour right when we end for the next week, we'll have it on his Bishop Strick. We'll record it today and play it next week. This is so important that true charity is being presented because really the most merciless thing you can do is let someone wallow in their sin. Oh, yeah. Tell me, and that, Jesse, that's why we continually, people say, I got another email. Stop beating up on the Pope. Stop beating up on bishops. <laughs> what? I'm a little guy. I'm, not, I'm saying that, Holy Father, bishops, please do what you're supposed to do. Confirm us in our faith by, t by asking people like myself to repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Terry, what about uh, you got a, a, a small clip from a Cardinal Hollerich? Yeah, I was going to. I'll play that later, Jess. Uh, yeah, okay. basically what it is, Jesse, it's 100 seconds where the Cardinal basically says what is right here on the LifeSite News article that he's just confirming his belief that homosexuality is compatible with Christianity. And he says in his own words, this is just what he said. I mean, I, it's scandalous. He says, and Pope Francis agrees with me, and he's well aware of what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, he put me in charge of the Senegal Way, so I'm, in, I'm, I'm one of his you know, trusted uh, cardinals. And I think that, you know, when I see this, I don't want to play. We were going to play it, and I just said, you know, it's so scandalous Folks, we need to make reparation. Don't don't be like, oh, well, I don't want to stay in the church where it's like that. No, that's just the opposite reason. You need to stay in and fight and pray for our leaders in our church that they will come back and do what 
early Christianity did. We call it first century Christians. That's who we have to become right now because we've compromised with the world. And many of our leaders in our church are going along with worldly ideas and we need to pray them back home and also call them out because Canon was it two twelve says we should Canon be able 12. to have that concern to our pastors and so that's why I feel very comfortable Jesse pointing out when Pope Francis is, is not doing his job as the as the Pope and confirming me in my faith and and allowing Joe Biden I I mean I want to see Pope Francis in heaven Jesse I want to see Joe Biden in heaven call them out because if they don't both of them will not get to heaven I guarantee it. Absolutely. And for those of you that have children that are dealing with uh, same-sex attraction, especially the boys, yeah, I would refer you to josephnicolosi.com. He's passed away, but his son runs his institute, and it's, uh, it's, it's an institute that helps people. It's reparative therapy. Go to josephnicolosi.com, josephnicolosi.com. That's the one-stop shop if, if your son or daughter has same-sex attraction here. And, you know, he's so good that California won't allow him to treat us here in California. So you need to check it out. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Cardinal Mueller. He says the German synodal way is over. This is one of the good cardinals, <laughs> exactly. one of the great cardinals of our time. Yes. Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Mueller, prefect emeritus of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. He should still be there. Yes, he should. Has sharply criticized the synodal way in Germany. He was on EWTN, a news interview. The 74-year-old cardinal said that the synodal way declared a reform process by its initiators, he said, <laughs> is over and was and was on an anti-Catholic wrong track. Wow. The Holy See issued a statement June 21st noting that the Synodal Way was not authorized to oblige the bishops and the faithful to adopt new forms of governance and new orientations of doctrine and morals. The Holy See said that it was necessary to clarify this in order to safeguard the freedom of the people of God and the exercise of the Episcopal ministry. Well, you know what the Holy See should have done? They should have just excommunicated uh, uh, Cardinal uh, Marx. Yes. Reinhard Marx. That's what they should have done. That They would have nipped it in the bud if they would have just done that. Jesse, can but I just jump in? He's the troublemaker. Yeah, but Marx, was, he put his, uh, Marx is the one who put his retirement paperwork into Pope Francis's hand, and Pope Francis rejected it and said, no, I still want you there. You see, it's like two sides of the mouth. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm just being objective, Jess. Continue. Yeah, Cardinal Reinhard Marx. By the way, he's, uh, he's the one that started the, the synodary in Germany. Right. He's also, he's also uh, in, in times past, he celebrated Mass at the cathedral with the rainbow flag draped be over the altar. So if you want to know Where he's a, little about his, if you, a little bit about his character, that's who Reinhard Marx is. So... The um, the synodal presidium consisting of the German bishops conference and the central committee of German Catholics then accused the Vatican of a lack of willingness to communicate. <laughs> it stated so they pushed back against the Vatican. Here's what the leftist German yeah. <laughs> bishops and lay people said, quote, uh -huh. unfortunately, the synodal presidium has not been invited to a conversation until today. In other words, in other words, the Vatican, the Vatican hasn't tried to talk to us. That this direct communication does not take place so far, we regret irritated. 
So the little church goes after our understanding differently. This also applies to the way of today's communication, which astonishes us. <laughs> it does not testify to a good style of communication within the church when statements are published that are not signed by name. So they're calling out the Vatican. And they should on that. You know what, Jesse? When you put an order out, Man. you should put your name on it. The last, this next sentence, this is really good. Go ahead, Jess. Cardinal Mueller called these statements intolerable and added that this really has nothing to do with synodality and collegiality, nor with respect for, nor, nor with respect for the Episcopal office. He said, Cardinal Mueller said, the Holy See statement expressed nothing but the simple principle of Catholic ecclesiology. You nailed it. Yeah. So when asked whether the Synodal Way in Germany was now at an end after the declaration from Rome, <laughs> a canon lawyer from Munster, Germany, Thomas Schuler, yeah. wrote on Twitter, said this, Cardinal Mueller replied, I think the Synodal Way was doomed from the start. Mm-hmm. It's just that its initiators haven't realized it yet. Clearly. I love that line. Cardinal Mueller said the Synodal Way in Germany has nothing to do with synodality <laughs> nor with way. Rather, the construct is reminiscent of a political organization that considers itself the vanguard of the universal church. And then, Jesse, the cardinal nails it when he says revelation is entrusted to the church for faithful preservation and not in a synodal way meant at the beginning that the virtual randomly assembled body somehow has the right and authority to override the church's sacramental constitutions. And I like this, reinterpret revelation according to its means. Continue, Jess. It was the birth defect of the body to set itself up as the vanguard of the church, uh, Cardinal Mueller said. Exactly. What is being pursued here is nothing other than division. Yep. It is a so-called reform with a crowbar. <laughs> I like that. This is my kind of guy, Jesse. Yeah. You know, yeah, Jesse, he, just to interrupt. Blue-collar blue language. I met him in Mundelein Seminary about four years ago when he was the prefect. And I went up to him and I said, Cardinal Mueller, thank you so much for what you do in keeping the heretics out of the uh, chicken coop. And he, he laughed. Continue, Jess. He says... What, uh, among the supporters of the Synodal Way, there was an intransigence, the Cardinal mm-hmm. said, resulting from a lack of knowledge of Catholic ecclesiology. Yep. Cardinal Miller reflected on the president of the German Bishops' Conference and Central Committee of the German Catholics, who had emphasized in an article for the Hamburg Weekly Die Zeit, that's a German uh, mm-hmm. newspaper, that it should be ensured that the, that the medical intervention of an abortion is made possible across the can, board. Can you repeat that? That's their position as a Catholic? Give me yeah. a break. German bishops and the Committee of German Catholics, their official position is, quote, that, that, mm-hmm. they, they, that it should be ensured that medical intervention of an abortion is made possible across the board in Germany. Unbelievable. That's, the, that's, the that's German their position. position. Yeah. Cardinal Mueller said whoever wants to guarantee these crimes area-wide for the entire population, cannot pose as a reformer of the church. Amen. After all, the church is not the object of our reform. <laughs> the church is founded by Christ, cannot be reformed, is, insur- is insurpassable. Only we, can go the, only we can go the way and must go the way of repentance and renewal. We must reform and renew ourselves in Jesus Christ and thus give the answers the answer to the challenges of today. Jesse, Thank you, Cardinal Mueller. Jesse, that Harry, last what is the difference between him yeah. and Reinhard Marx. Of course, but that last statement, after all, he says that the church is not an object of the reform. And I love what he says. It's traditional Catholic teachings. The church is founded by Jesus Christ. It cannot be reformed. It's unsurpassable. Only we can go the way and must go the way of repentance. Yeah, let's hear repentance and what? Renewal? Yeah, he added. 
We must reform and renew ourselves, who? Into Jesus Christ, not the world, and thus give the answer to the challenges of today. This is what's so frustrating, if you hear it in my voice, Jesse, is that we have an opportunity to give the world Jesus Christ, and what is going on is the world's giving us the answers. We have the answers. The world does not have the answers. Yeah, Terry, this guy's a bad hombre, uh, Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Reinhard Marx. I could tell you a little bit things about him. He's one of the C6. He's one of the advisors to the Pope, uh, one of the six cardinal advisors to him. Yeah. He's admittedly, he's a progressive member of the church. Yep. He advocates for a married priesthood. Yeah. And he, he did that in the Amazon Synod. He also advocated for a married priesthood in the Synod for the family. He's also supported homosexual unions. Uh, he's Again, he celebrated mass with rainbow flags draped on the altar. Uh, I'll tell you what I see the synodal way in Germany, what they're really trying to do. And LifeSite okay. News, they wrote an article on this. Yep. LifeSite News says the article is called Synodal Way Wants to Reverse Catholic Teaching on Homosexuality. Yep. So, I mean, LifeSite News has a, a, a well-documented article. Yeah, That's their goal. Yep. The synodal way they want to bring homosexuality and probably contraception, too. Yeah. They want to make it normal, licit, legal in the Catholic Church. And by the way, Terry, all these problems of the synodal way, they were, they, they, they were started by... The ringleader of the Synodal Way is Cardinal Reinhard Marx. And as I said before, he should have retired. Pope Francis could have taken his retirement papers and put him to bed. But, you know, there's an old saying from Don Bosco, Jesse, and this is going to be a hard saying to hear. Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. The friends of Pope Francis that are people in positions of power, whether it's James Martin or others, they're his friends. And they have teachings that are contrary to the church. And that's why I know I'm on a on a rage here, Jess, but I really feel that the need needs to be done. The uh, dubia from back in 15, you know, seven years ago, p the cardinals asked the Holy Father to clarify his teaching on the faith. So he's not coming out and saying anything on it. He won't respond. And I'm saying that as a lay Catholic, I'm asking the bishops, cardinals, and even the Pope to reaffirm and confirm me in my faith by stating the, uh, the traditional teachings of the church. And please, Holy Father, don't bring these dissenters. You heard what St. John Paul II said earlier in the show about dissent. That's who you've got in the Vatican. They're a bunch of dissenters. So mm -hmm. in, generous, in, in, my, in my loving uh, heart, I say to Pope Francis, you're in a position to stop it. Would you please stop it? Yeah, Terry, there's no synodality without fidelity to the church's doctrine. That's right. And they're trying to they're trying to run roughshod over the church's doctrine and change it. So what what is a synod? A synod is a council of a church usually convened to decide an issue regarding doctrine, administration or application. In the Catholic Church, what a synod is, it's a meeting of bishops who are governed by the Code of Canon Law, which was updated back in 1983. Yep. And they meet when requested by the Pope. It can help the Pope to govern and make decisions that will help in the salvation of souls. That's the goal. Uh, and being the Catholic Church founded by Christ, a synod cannot change doctrine. Synods are, a, uh, they may be a tool, but some people have argued, uh, I, I, some people have argued quite, in fact, I saw uh, there's an article. It's called "Remnant Disciple uh, Disciples 
JTM.com. Mm-hmm. RemnantDisciplesJTM.com. Here's uh, something that's very interesting. I just looked up here. Mm-hmm. It says, Synods are a, sp- are, are a tool specifically chosen by Freemasons to help destroy the church. The wicked plan is outlined and translated by Father Joseph Dwight in September 2013 from an Italian translation outlines two directives about synods. These directives of the Grand Master, the Mas- of the Masons, of the Catholic bishops have been in effect since 1962. They were revised in 1993 as a progressive plan for the final stage. So this Father Joseph Dwight, who has taken this Masonic document and translated it from from Italian to English, it's 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 uh, number 23. Uh, the Masonic document to weaken the church. It says, "Be bold." Weaken the Pope by introducing Episcopal synods. Mm. The Pope will then, will then only become a figurehead as in England where the High Chamber and the Low Chamber reign and from them the Queen receives orders. Then weaken the authority of the Bishop giving rise to a concurrent institution at the level of the priests. Say that in this way the priests receive the attention they deserve. Wow. Finally weaken the authority of the priests with the formation of groups of lay people who dominate the priests. In this way, you will give rise to such a hatred that even cardinals will abandon the church, and then the church will be democratic. It will be a new church. Wow. Very interesting. And not just interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's being implemented, yes. unfortunately. When we come back, folks, two priests debate on communion for pro-abortion politicians. St. Ambrose, please pray for us. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Jess, before we go on, you just knocked the wall down with that quote from the Masons, brother. Wow. <laughs> no, really, Jess? Yeah. I mean, in Father Murr, we just interviewed him last Friday, you and I, talking about the infiltration into the church with the Masons. It's incredible what your, your resources there let, yeah. let, I'll, let, I'll share it with you. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, yeah. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, maybe can't we, Jesse? Uh, let's talk about what you pulled out about the two priest debate on communion for pro-abortion politicians. Well, again, here we see Akita Japan alive and well right yeah. before our face. Akita Japan, 1973. Our Blessed Mother told Sister Sasagawa that uh, we're going to enter into a point in time where you're going to have priests that yep. will that will disagree with other priests. You'll have bishops that will oppose other bishops, cardinals that oppose other cardinals as well. And many priests being pressed by the demons will, 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 will leave their consecrated, they'll leave yep. the service of Holy Mother Church. Tens as, of thousands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, let's talk about these two priests, again, okay. having kind of a running gun battle here. Yeah. Father Brian Grabe and Father James Martin square off in the pages of America's largest <laughs> newspaper, there's a, a growing dissonance in the Catholic Church, and to understand where we're at, there's a good book written by Ralph Martin, Dr. Martin. It's called The Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward, yep. because uh, he offers insight for Catholics today, and he gives us kind of directions how to navigate right. for the future. So an example of the disagreements within our church are two competing Catholic voices published recently in the opinion page of the Wall Street Journal, Father Brian Grabe. His July 22nd letter headline, The Catholic Church Has a Duty to Correct the Powerful on Abortion, responded to Father James Martin commentary 
abortion and the grumbling crowd. Father Martin began by asking, should a Catholic politician who supports abortion rights receive communion? He claimed that the communion question for Joe Biden was settled by Cardinal Wilton Gregory, the Archbishop of Washington, who said he would not deny him communion. (laughs) At the same time, he noted that Archbishop Salvatore Corleone of San Francisco declared that Speaker Nancy Pelosi would be barred from receiving communion in his archdiocese for her actions on abortion, which the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops calls the preeminent moral issue of our time, Father Martin wrote back. The Archbishop has written that a Catholic legislator who supports procured abortion commits a manifestly grave sin, which is the cause of the most serious scandal to others. Mm -hmm. Universal Church law, Archbishop Corleone pointed out in his declaration, provides that such persons are not to be admitted to Holy Communion according to Canon 915. He contends that since we are all unworthy to receive communion, no one should be denied it. He quoted Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego. This is uh, this is now a... Uh, cardinal. Bishop, yeah. Uh, recently nominated to become a cardinal against the weaponization of the Eucharist. McElroy stated that failure in following Catholic teaching in its fullness cannot be the measure of Eucharistic worthiness <laughs> in the church of sinners and questioners oh who must face intense... Uh, pressures and complexities in their daily lives. So I guess Cardinal McElroy has never read, or Bishop McElroy has not read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, <laughs> because St. Paul addresses that clearly in that passage, that you can't receive Holy Communion nope. in an unworthy manner. Right. So Father Martin said Bishop McElroy has, uh, has asked, why target only abortion? And use the example of former Attorney General William Barr's support of the death penalty, which the Catechism of the Catholic Church declares inadmissible. According to Bishop McElroy, the Eucharist must never be instrumentalized for a political end, no matter how important. Terry, take it. Well, I'm just going to say one thing. But, uh, the difference between an innocent baby in the mother's womb and a convicted uh, uh, killer in jail, uh, yeah, that's, there's, no, there's a big difference. Father Martin said Bishop McElroy has asked again. Okay, so Father Martin then held up Pope Francis against the American bishops because the Pope has said, there are other life issues besides abortion, pointing to poverty, human trafficking, and other issues. He also noted that Pope Francis has never denied anyone communion, preferring to leave it to the person's conscience and their pastor. St. Ambrose, pray for us and pray for our Holy Father. Uh, Father Martin claimed that the best solution is an example of Jesus in the gospel, simply to call people to repentance. And I just have to add something. Repentance means stop sinning, okay? That's an example. When you repent, you stop your sinning. You say, I'm not going to do this again. So Father uh, Gabriel Puster of the Basilica, St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in New York, saw things differently in his commentary. Read his commentary, Jess. Father Graves says the heinousness of abortion intentional killing of the most defenseless and vulnerable amongst us mm-hmm. prompted the bishops of this country to identify it as a preeminent moral issue of our time. This is the big statement coming up. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. The yeah. Catholic Church identifies abortion as intrinsically evil. Can't change that. Meaning that it's always wrong by its nature. No circumstances could ever justify it. This is what gets the left, uh, makes their head. Oh, yeah, exactly. But you know what? Truth is truth. Yeah, no matter who says it, no matter who. There's no expiration date. No, mixing abortion with other forms of unjust human suffering diminishes its unique evil through false equivalences, according to Father Grave. Yeah, that's called the the heresy of the seamless garment, what what Father Martin's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
The church has always taught that the state has the inherent right to carry out capital punishment. How and when is a matter for debate? That's right. The, the last three popes have sought to limit its application, and Pope Francis has declared it inadmissible. But that's not the same as saying it is wrong in itself. To say that would be to contradict the apostolic faith of the church. Yep. Another issue often cited is, is poverty. No one of goodwill wants people to remain poor, but how best to relieve poverty is a matter for prudential judgment. You've said that over and over there, yeah. Jesse. Church leaders have a responsibility to correct those mm-hmm. who use powers of their public offices yep. to promote, facilitate, and expand access to the unique, unique evil of abortion, he said. He called denial of communion a last resort reserved for the most egregious violations of justice, but said enabling the killing of unborn children far exceeds that threshold. Ironically, Father Graves said that it is Father Martin who promotes <laughs> the weaponizing of the Eucharist. That's right. Every reception of communion wounds that public official's soul and deepens its alienation from God. Withholding communion from someone in manifest public grave sin is not an act of unkindness, but an act of love and mercy. Well said. Yeah. Sometimes medicine has to sting so that it can heal. When the church sees souls depriving their salvation through sacrilegious communions, she would be derelict not to intervene. Amen. It that. is true, as Father Martin said, that there are that there are other sinners going going up for holy communion, but how does that justify a pastor offering no resistance? Receiving communion in the state of mortal sin is the sacrilege is a sacrilege religious regardless of the type of mortal sin. A mafia don hiring hitmen or an unfaithful spouse flaunting adultery should also be told not to receive Jesus in holy communion. The ferocity of Pelosi and Biden's public promotion of abortion. Is, dis- is deserving of public chastisement. Amen. The topic's not about politeness. It's about the travesty of killing unborn babies. And it's about salvation. Don't our Catholic shepherds also have a responsibility to guard Jesus in the Eucharist as best they can so as not to abet sacrilege? Of course they do. And Jesse, this goes back to our story at the beginning of the show. Um, and St. Ambrose, you know, standing up to the emperor and saying, no, you're not going to come into the church over my dead body, and you need to repent and do public penance because of the 7,000 innocent women and children that you were approving of killing. And, uh, you know, that's nothing compared to the uh, tens of thousands, millions of babies that are being aborted in America. But again, let's go back to the saints. I mean, I want to know what the saints do because... We're all called to be saints. And Jess, this brings up another issue, the kingship of Christ in our life. Is Jesus Christ really king in our life if we compromise his moral teachings? I don't think so, brother. Of course. And you know what? Jesus Christ, he doesn't want fans. Jesus Christ oh, wants followers. Exactly. Jesus wants, he Christ wants completely committed followers, disciples. Jesus doesn't want cheerleaders. Right. He wants gladiators. Yes, I said gladiators. <laughs> I love it. We live by faith in a Christ who's acted in the past, and he's going to act in the future again to the very last day we call that Judgment Day. Yep. And don't forget, Catholics, that the decisive battle's already been won 2,000 years That's ago right. on Gallery. All we're doing right now is mop-up operations. Pick up your mop and just mop up the floor. It's kind of dirty. And remember this, okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12, 22. 
Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's it, everybody. The author and perfecter of our faith. Terry. Live in the state of grace by going to the sacraments, praying your daily rosary. You know, St. Alphonsus Liguori said, if, if one prays, one will be saved. If one doesn't pray, you won't be saved. So deepen your spiritual life at this time of confusion. Because we worship this, Jesus Christ and no one else. So keep your eyes on the cross. Pray, work, and don't wor- and, and don't worry, as Padre Peel says. And Jesse, I just want to remind everybody that the whole purpose of Virgin Most Powerful Radio is not to give Jess Romero, any of our speakers, myself, a, a mic to say, go ahead and say what you want. We want to proclaim what Jesus Christ taught 2,000 years ago. There's no expiration date on our Bible. So when we talk about Scripture, it's not our opinion. It's what, the, it's what Jesus Christ and his church has taught for 2,000 years. You don't have the authority, Jess. Terry doesn't have the authority to change what Jesus taught, not even the Pope. And that's why some people will say to us, Jess, hey, you guys are a little over the top. You seem to be criticizing. Well, think about what's going on in the world right now. We have the influence of a secular world. This is a great opportunity for Holy Mother of the Church to stand up with the, with the cross of Jesus Christ and tell people, He's the way, the truth, and the life. Yep, it's it's very simple. Uh, you got the secular world, yeah, two, the godless secular world, two camps. or you got the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's two camps. You got uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola said you got the camp of Christ and the camp of Satan. That's it. St. Augustine said you got the city of God and the city of man. St. Yep. Thomas Aquinas says <laughs> you have the mystical body of Christ and the mystical body of Satan. Uh, the, the, there's only two teams. First John three ten. I'll make it very simple. I'll go yeah. right to the Bible. The Bible says, "You got the sons of Satan and the sons of God." Remember that Jesus Christ died for your sin two thousand years ago, and you know what? Notice that when we talk about Jesus Christ, nobody ever says the late great Jesus. You know why? Nope. Because he's not dead anymore. He's alive. You only say that about dead people. The late, great George Washington. The late, great Abraham Lincoln. We never say the late, great Jesus Christ because he's alive. Yes. And guess what? He's coming back. He's the living God. He's our living Savior. He's Christ the King. And it's time for us to suit up and live in a state of grace, Catholics. Amen. Remember, Bishop Sheen said, Only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. The greatest masses without faith are unconscious of this destructive process going on because they lost the vision of the heights from which they had fallen. That means we need to live the faith, love the faith. And I want to mention also that Bishop Strickland will be on right after this show. So if you're not on your AM station, get our free app at vmpr.org. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? State of sanctifying grace. Do not live in a state of mortal sin. Amen. The Bible says, flee the devil. Flee the devil. That's what the Bible says. And run to God. Terry, take it away. Get that rosary beads out, everybody. Remember, Our Lady says souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and sacrifice. God love you. And enjoy Bishop Strickland coming up next.